Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Strand Tennis Center podcast, filled with tips, advice, tennis, not tennis, just life advice too, whatever you need. Uh, like it on YouTube, share it on uh, the podcast as well. Thank you. All right, Santi, welcome to the Strand Tennis Center podcast. We are lucky to have a guest. I'm Steve Capo. I'm your host. We are lucky to have a guest, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name, Aram. You pronounce it for us. She is uh, at the qualifying for the U.S. Open. She is here, luckily, training, and we're lucky to have her. And tell us tell us your last name, because I'll never do it right. It's Mariam Bolkvadze. I'm not even going to repeat it. <laughs> you guys figure it out. Um, we're glad she's here. She's training uh, for the qualies, what, in two weeks, right? Is that? Yep, that's in two correct. Weeks. Okay. Uh, this podcast was about decision-making. So making a decision, whether it's a small business or whether it's a something to do on the court, whether you make a decision, whether you're in a situation where you have to, what, am I going to come in on this point? Am I going to stay back? All of those things are difficult. And uh, I was reading, and if you're having trouble making a decision, Santi, I was reading this, is very, very interesting. If you can't make a decision, you'll find this interesting, I hope, flip a coin, and when you flip the coin, as it flips, you'll decide what your decision is before it lands. Because you'll know whether you want heads or tails. It's kind of interesting. Because it's true. If I flip a coin and I go, well, I really don't know what I want. But then when it flips, I'm going to want for it to land this way. So that is the best way to make a decision is just flip a coin because you'll figure out before it lands what you want to do. And decision making is also try not to overthink it. Usually you'll never know, again, the alternative. So if I decide to go left... Instead of going right, I won't know the alternative because I don't know what's going to happen. So just make the decision and move on. So we're lucky to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so decision-making. When did you decide to turn pro? Actually, uh, I will come back to that. But what yeah. you said about the coin is really funny because every time I can't make a decision, I just tell whoever is with me to pick left or right. And then in my head, I just think, okay, if he says right, this will happen. If this, And that's how I make all my decisions when I can't make it. Because like, whenever they say right, I'm like, oh, no, I didn't want that. So, <laughs> we just, so yeah, it's, pretty, it's a good way to sometimes take it out of your hands. But obviously, you can't always do that. It's, you know, especially sure. on court, you can't just randomly, oh, hold on, I'm just going to play for coin to see where I'm going <laughs> to Yeah, that's true. That's true. I get yeah, it. On the micro, yeah. definitely. But uh, listen, decision-making is tough, and the problem is, is we overcomplicate it too much. Yeah. And we have to just make it, because nine, listen, and I talked to Santi about this, businesses, you make a decision, 80% of them fail, but you just move on, and you move forward. Yeah. If you don't make a decision, and you stop deciding then it's over for you. Exactly. And like you said, you know, it's, you're not going to know what would have happened, right? So yeah. it's just so important to stay present and decide what you think is right in that moment and then just accept whatever's going to happen, I it, think. It's true because, again, if I make a decision and say I didn't make the other decision, you don't know a thousand things that could have happened. I could have been traveling, something could have happened. I could have exactly. gone over here. Like, you have no idea, so don't lament and don't be like... Is it this or that? Sometimes it's just, it could be both. You make one decision, it doesn't work, then you make the other. You know, you have to keep moving forward. But your decision to turn pro, because I read a little bit about you, because I knew you were coming, uh, 
leaving the country of Georgia. How difficult was that decision? Yeah, um, basically, I didn't really have much choice, to be completely honest with you, because uh, when I was younger, I would have gone to London just because my uh, godmother is living in London. So okay. I would just go to visit her. And then once I turned th around 13, it was just becoming a bit harder to have like a really good quality training in okay. Georgia during that time. I mean, it's much better now. But yeah, during that time, there just wasn't that good of like facilities, gyms, like the gym culture wasn't even in, in, in Georgia back then. And uh, yeah, my parents just made like this decision that yeah. it would be better for my tennis and just for my personal growth as well to just, you know, like if you have the option to leave your country and go somewhere else. Um, so yeah, we did that when I turned basically 13. I was living with my godmother for couple years and then once I turned 15 I was living just with a family who was also training at the same academy so I was kind of alone since I was 15. <laughs> how, 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 are you, you can I could spend an, an hour discussing how do you deal with that as a kid 15 like I mean most people in this area can't figure out what Starbucks to buy when they're 15 <laughs> figure out what coffee they want how do you deal with how much did you get to see your parents at that time between 13 and 15? And Well, uh, 13 and 15 wasn't that hard because I was actually with my godmother okay. and I would go back to Georgia quite often. But when I turned 15, it was starting to be, you know, I would spend a bit more time in London than back home. And yeah, it, to be honest, it was a bit hard at the beginning, yeah. especially... My brother was studying in UK, so that was like a nice feeling to know that he was there somewhere, but he was not in London and he wasn't close to me. So I would see him sometimes, but it wouldn't be common. Um, but yeah, it, it was tough. But when you're that young, I don't think you actually like think about things as deep as we're thinking about it now. So I was just going with it without really thinking about it. Just, you know, every day going to training I actually had to take like this two hour journey to go to training and then back like half an hour walk to the station, then like an hour journey. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was funny because I was worried about I was we're having her train outside. I was like, well, it's 15 minutes away. Is that too much? Now she's like, oh, it's two hours. It's 15 minutes down the road. I was like, oh, maybe it's too far out of her way. No, honestly, like I've done I've done my fair bit of the grind. <laughs> That's the way it is, right? We, we talk about success. Success is lagging, right? It's a lagging indicator. You're going to have to work super hard and not get results. And people in this day and age want instant gratification, but it just doesn't happen that way. Exactly. You've got to work, 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 come up with nothing, work, 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 come up with nothing. And then something happens like 2019. We have exactly. a breakthrough. And describe that. How does that feel, the emotions at the U.S. Open when you qualify and get to the second round? Yeah, well, the whole thing was kind of crazy because yeah. that was the first year of me actually playing almost the full schedule because I was getting injured all the time and I was having a bit of a hard time. So I played like an almost full schedule and I got into the first Wimbledon that year and I lost my first round and I was just so down on myself because I played like a couple WTAs before that and I was telling my coach that, you know, I don't feel like... I belong here and I was just really down on myself and um, and then he was just so supportive he said that 
you do belong there. You didn't get there by, you know, getting a wild card or by getting lucky. You won yeah. tournaments. Your ranking is good enough and you do belong to be there. So then I took a little break and then went to play a bit more tournaments and then came to US Open. And I was actually still injured when I came to US Open and I was like, oh God, you know, I really have to play because, you know, it's a lot of money and I really want to compete. So... I just went on court with zero expectations. And I actually played the first seed in qualities, uh, Heather Watson. And, you know, it wasn't the great draw. She, like, won the... I think she won Vancouver the week before. She was in good form. Yeah. And I actually played really well and won in two sets. And then I was like, you know, this is great. And I was, like, really enjoying myself. I came alone. I didn't bring my coach. I was all alone. I barely had any strengths. So then I had to, like... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was staying just in like this random hotel, not the official hotel, trying to save money. And then, yeah, all like you said, it just randomly all comes together. And I was just like enjoying myself so much without thinking about, oh, like what's going to happen yeah. tomorrow or what would have happened, you know, just enjoying myself every single match. And yeah, the last round, second round of qualifying was the hardest because I think I was like, five three down in the third or something okay. and then came back and then the third round was a bit of a roller coaster and then yeah when i qualified i was just like what yeah when you qualify like it's three rounds of qualities if everybody yeah. doesn't know and then like winning three rounds of qualities is just huge in itself and then you're already you're already tired but you're just so pumped up and yeah. i you know you're just like and then you're thinking about like all these points I'm getting, I can qual then I get into these events. You're thinking about everything for the year. Then you're like, wow, all that you d you describe it because it's that feeling of winning the third round of qualifiers. Yeah, honestly, I was just so shocked. I I I didn't even know how many points. I honestly I wasn't even thinking about points that much. I was just like, this is so much money. It, it was. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it, it's literally like a life changing amount in a way because you know. Like yeah. you said, then you can plan the whole year right. without worrying about, like, what flights to get and, like, oh, I can't go to China because the flights are too expensive. And then it just takes yeah. it all away. And then you can just plan the schedule according to your needs yeah. rather than what you can afford to do. So, yeah, that was, like, a great feeling. And I remember I had, like, some Georgian friends who came to support me, and they were leaving after my third round. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> what, what am I going to do luck. now? You're good luck. <laughs> it's all that. you got to do the same thing. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then they were like, it's okay. Like, you got this. So when they left, I honestly thought that I would lose the first round because I'm a bit superstitious. And yeah, then the first round happened. Yeah. I won the first round in three sets, and that was just unbelievable as well. Because more I, money, yeah, more money, <laughs> like more double money. the money, yeah. and yeah, it was crazy. And how old were you at the time? You have all this money. 2019. I'm 24 now. Yeah. Was was 20, I 21? 21. Yeah, it's crazy. 21. Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy, honestly. <laughs> because most of the time, you're trying to figure out when you're in that stage, if you don't have the money, you're trying to figure out, well, where do I stay? What do I do? I can't just train. I have to think about all these other things. It's really hard to be your own kind of like business manager in a way, figure yeah. out where you're living, figure out who you're hitting with because yeah. you can't afford a training partner. You can't have them travel with you. No. So when that happens, it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, I could barely afford a coach. Honestly, it was just like uh, only after that that I started to have like a full time coach. You know, I signed with my agency, and yeah, only after that everything came together, kind of. But again, like that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to have a great career, right? Because like now my ranking has dropped a little bit. You know, it's been a tough year, but. Like you said, you just got to keep going yep. and just stay focused, stay present. And you don't know what would have happened if you did something else differently. Or yeah. You just got to make the decision to like go somewhere, stay there, do your best, and then move on and then move on and then just... Yeah, because at yeah. this level, like you were talking Wimbledon first round, it's really just mindset. Everybody probably can hit the same shot. Yeah. It's you just believing that you can do it. Exactly. And really, it's just the confidence. And years ago, and I can't remember his name, Boris Becker's training partner was hitting with Becker all the time. And all of a sudden, he was like, boy, I'm playing with him. <laughs> Why don't I enter in these tournaments? And then he ended up getting into the top 100 and the top 33. Like, I forget his name. But all of a sudden, you just start to believe, like, yeah. I'm hitting with this guy. Why don't I just play? Yeah. It's really... Boy, at that level, it's 80% belief and confidence in what you're doing. I mean, everyone plays so well. Yeah. You know, at the high level, everyone can play so well. Everyone is so fit. You know, it's just like you just cannot, you know, not do certain things. You, there are just some things that you really have to work hard to just have. Like, you just have to have guaranteed, like, good fitness, good mentality. Like, you just need to be a professional, but then it's just like... Like you said, the belief is one of the probably the most important things because, yeah. like, at the end of the day, like, you make a decision, but it also matters, like, how you make that decision, right? Like, especially when you're in court, you're like, right, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, like, if you believe in that decision, it doesn't matter if it works or not because, yeah. you know, you really believe in it. But if you're doubting yourself sometimes, you're like, oh, I want to go cross, but, like, changing your mind in the last moment, yeah, it's just, like the shot is a bit different. It's like tiny bit different and it's just not good enough. You just got to like go well, for it. I tell everybody on court, make a better mistake. Yes. Make a clear mistake. Yes. There's nothing worse than making a cloudy decision. Go out there, lose better, I always say. Be clear in what you're going to do and then go, okay, this is what I decided to do. This was my decision. Instead of going out there hoping and going, I hope this works, yeah. maybe this will work, and you're not confident, make a better mistake. Exactly. And then you have clarity. And then you finish the match going, all right, this is what I tried to do. I gave my maximum effort in what I tried to do, and this person was just better. And I always say, you, you know, great players, they understand you can't control results. All you can control is attitude and effort. We exactly. say that all the time. If you have good attitude, good effort, and the result is what it is. Exactly. You know? So... How's the training going so far? Yeah, pretty good. good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good so far. Oh, man. Uh, what was the other questions I, w- I was interested in asking? Decision making. So how do you decide your schedule for the year? So based on no injuries, mm-hmm. how do you feel? How, many, how much can you think you can play? Because the season could be forever. Yeah. How many tournaments do you feel is a good number for you to play? Honestly, if I'm not injured, like, that sort of year hasn't really happened. Like, this year, I was, like, really on and off, on and off, so I will have to have, like, a long year. So, like, some players will stop after US Open, but I will have to keep going because I pretty much missed the big chunk of tournaments after uh, Billie Jean Cup up, come up to 
French Open, I just didn't play anything because I got injured there and I just missed so many tournaments. And even after that, it's just kind of been like on and off, on and off. So, yeah, um, also it's really hard to make decisions on which tournament to go to when you are in that sort of like 150 to mm. 200 ranking because you're kind of getting into the WTAs, but you're not sure. It's like always like a last minute decision if you want to go. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you break that top 150, like if you're around 130, then you're almost guaranteed to be at least in qualities of grants of no, of sorry uh, WTA. So yeah. then you can make m clearer decisions in like, okay, this is the WTA I want to play, and this is the ITF in the same week. So I'd rather play the WTA right now. It's more like I want to play that WTA. But I don't know if I'll get in. So if I don't get in, then I'm going to go play ITF. Yeah. And then it's a bit messy. So like this year, I had to make quite a few decisions. Like say last week, I entered Landersville. And I was also third out of uh, Concord WTA. Okay. And I played really well last year in Concord. I, I did quarters. So I really wanted to go back there again. So I just went to Concord, signed in. If I would get in, I would play. If not, then I would have to like fly to Landersville the day after to play. So we'll, we'll back up here. We'll describe it for people that don't know. Describe what third out means. So third out means your third alternates of either getting into qualifying or getting into main draw. And I was at the moment third alternates for main draw. And if you end up, being in alternates, you just can't play the tournament, basically. So you're hoping that someone doesn't, withdraws. Doesn't show yeah, or, or withdraws. Yeah, or, you know, unfortunately, you're hoping someone gets injured or something. Yeah, so, And that's what happens. You end up, some uh, people end up traveling to the event in hopes that it's going to happen, yeah. and then you're just stuck. I mean, that's that's the light. I mean, it's, it's an incredible situation. It takes tons of, you know, it, it being a tennis player, oh, my God, <laughs> either, you know, it's almost like the NFL, the NBA, and the soccer. You either get drafted, you get cut, or you try for Like, this is, like, every week trying to figure out if you have enough points. You got to go here. You got to go there. Like, what are you doing on Sunday, like you were saying? It's like exactly. I was about to mention that. Yeah. So I'm entering into this ITF in Bronx. Usually, with the ranking that I have now, you're guaranteed to be in main draw of mostly all the ITFs. But because this tournament is in Bronx and it's like the week before the US Open qualities, everyone decided to play this tournament because it's in New York and I guess people just don't want to travel to Cincinnati or I don't know, like people just made a decision to enter Bronx. I'm like in alternate list of Bronx, so that's why I'm here already. I'm going to go sign on Sunday, hoping to get in. And, you know, if I don't get in, I will just have to train through that week yeah. because... This is the week where I don't have the alternative of WTA, ITF. This is the week where it's just this one tournament that I can play. Because if I would want to play the WTA, I would need a visa to go to Canada in Vancouver. And Yeah, so it's a pretty messy situation. <laughs> it's just a week in the life of uh, that <laughs> ranking. And then, oh, and, well, let's hope that you, you know, we don't want to put any... Jinx is let's hope you <laughs> qualify again and then you don't have to make some easier decisions exactly, at yes. the US Open. Um, other decision making things. How do you decide? Let's let's get micro point uh, play wise. Like what is your usual situation? Do you know your opponent really well? 
or do you feel like I have a specific game that I'm going to play or I'm going to change my game based on this player or is it kind of you're going to play your game until it gets changed? Hmm. That's a great question because it's kind of like uh, I think it depends on the player. Some players are just like, this is my game and I want you to fit your game around it, basically. And some players are a bit more flexible with what they can do and they can kind of like pick and choose. Um, I'm kind of in the middle of that because I do like to pick on people's weaknesses and then just, you know, keep going there sometimes. But then there's a fine balance of doing that and losing your game style and then do you know what I mean? Like, so I'm, I like to be pretty aggressive on court. So sometimes you can happen that, you know, if I realize that someone has this weakness, then yeah. I might just overdo just going to that one spot. And I think it's good up to a certain point. And then you just need to realize that that's not working anymore. And then just sure. either go back to your game or just change something. But it really depends on, like, the sort of player you are. Some players... Just don't even look at who they're playing. They just go on call and do to play their games. I think I'm more of like in the middle. Like I like okay. it when my coach looks at the player, tells me the plan, tells me like, okay, her weakness is per se like defending on her forehand. So try to get her out on her backhand first, and then go to her forehand or yeah. something. You know, it's never as easy as just like, oh, she's got terrible backhand. Just got it. It's never that easy yeah. anymore, I wish. <laughs> not that simple. There's no. not that yeah. weakness. Most people attack the strength, so it opens up the weakness. Yeah. You go after the forehand, so it opens yeah. up the backhand. Uh, it, it, you were talking about plans. I was training her. It was funny. We were training a girl, and she was because we were hitting, and she was beating me because she's obviously better. We are just coaching. And then she changed her game. I said, why? She goes, I need to win every way. I said, if you're winning one way, just, just stick with it until yeah. someone forces you to change exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But we're up on time, right? Something you have. He's got work to do. We're always got work to do. But this is great. I could talk another 20 minutes and we could learn a lot from a hard worker. Remember, everybody, success is a lagging indicator. And if you believe in what you're doing, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. I'm not telling you to go for a sunset, uh, you know, <laughs> don't go for a sunset east. You know what I mean? The sunset, you know, go in the right direction. Obviously, you have to have a plan. You can't just be like, I'm going to be Picasso and not know how to paint. But <laughs> don't give up because you're going to get a lot of adversity. And it's so much more rewarding when you get through that. But we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And thanks for having me and uh, letting me train and look, everything. Thank yes. you for being on. <laughs> on. It's great. And uh, that's it, everybody. We got to go because you have to go teach. He's got to teach a class. See everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Hope you like the podcast. Please share it with your friends, anybody that you know, anybody that's into tennis, anybody that's into bettering themselves, share it.